Hello, I'm Jonah Dunch, the arts and culture editor at The Gateway, and you're listening to the arts and culture segment of The Gateway Presents. I'm joined in the studio by Julia Sawatsky, the U of A's newest Rhodes Scholar. Julia is a second-year medicine student at the University of Alberta who combines her passions for dance and public health in her academic research and creative practice. Julia, thank you for joining me. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Alrighty. So, Julia, um, why don't we start with the, the big moment? So, uh, a few weeks ago now, you got the call that you got the Rhodes Scholarship. What was that like for you? Um, it was incredible. It felt like a dream. It still kind of does. Um, it was extremely emotional. Um, I definitely started crying when I got the phone call. And afterwards, um, I think the the process of applying was actually very intense. You put a lot of work into it and you also think a ton about your personal story and your goals. And so you put all that out there. And then when you're waiting for the call, you kind of feel like you've just left this big piece of your like soul out in the void and you're waiting to hear if it's going to be your lucky day. And it was for me. So yeah, it was, it was huge. I'm still kind of reeling. Now that we've talked about the big moment a few weeks ago, why don't we jump a bit back backwards in time um, to when you decided to apply in the first place. So what got you interested in the Rhodes Scholarship, and um, what was that journey like? So I first was interested in the Rhodes Scholarship because I started to realize that um, I'd done my undergraduate degree in medicine and life sciences and then had gone on to a medical degree, but I, I realized that I wanted some other graduate education and some other training that would kind of broaden my perspectives beyond just the science and practice of medicine and help me understand some of the more, the broader societal parts of health and public health in particular. Um, And I was very fortunate after my undergraduate degree, um, I got an RNA international scholarship from the University of St. Andrews um, that allowed me to travel internationally. And that was another really formative experience in helping me see just how much I had to learn about the world outside of medicine um, and how relevant that was to understanding health um, and well-being. And so then in terms of thinking about wanting to pursue graduate studies and international health and public health in particular, Oxford is world-renowned in those fields. It's um, a very exciting university. It's always had a lot of um, appeal for me. I actually applied to study there in my undergraduate degree and was rejected. So um, kind of I thought, well, maybe the roads will be a bit of an experiment of how much I've grown since then. And if I give it another try, um, kind of see where this could take me. And so and then I was lucky to have a lot of guidance here at the U of A um, for what it would be like to apply for the roads. And um, the medical school in particular was very supportive. So I thought, I'll give it a try. So you talked about how Oxford is this destination for public health, for international health. So what in particular do you plan to study once you get there? So when I applied to the Rhodes, I had two degrees in mind, two master's degrees in international health and tropical medicine, and then global health science and epidemiology, which is um, very similar to a master's in public health that we'd have here in Canada. And I'm still extremely interested in those courses, but have also, as the reality started to become a bit clearer to working towards my interview. I did think about other courses and at the moment I'm looking at PhD programs at Oxford as well um, to go into a bit more depth in the fields that I'm interested in. Um, But for sure international health is where my interests lie so that is kind of 
for sure. Um, but I've also looked a lot into the kind of social intervention and policy programs at Oxford to think about public policy and how that shapes health. So, yeah, long story short, I'm still figuring it out. Um, but yeah. So I'm wondering then, if you do pursue a PhD at Oxford with starting with the Rhodes Scholarship and continuing, uh, what will that mean for your medical studies at the U of A? Um, so the U of A, they've been very accommodating with this. So I'll be on like a leave of absence while I'm away um, and then would hopefully come back and finish third and fourth year of the MD program when I come back, um, which I think is daunting and is one of the one of the reasons I hesitated to apply for the roads. And even, you know, I told you I was crying when I heard the news. Part of it was also realizing that I was going to be leaving the amazing med class and community that I have here now. Um, and I think it'll be different and interesting to come back after having taken a break from the program. But I think my hope is that if I am careful in my selection of degrees at Oxford and work hard to frame them in the context of the type of physician that I'd like to be, that it will complement my training. Um, although my skills will for sure be rusty. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. So, Julia, I understand that you've done a number of summer programs um, in public health and dance uh, in Guinea and Rwanda as well. Yeah. Uh, so can you talk a bit about those programs, how they've informed your general perspective on your um, areas of interest, and also how your dance and your medical background have um, you know, collided? For sure. So I actually, um, it was a background in dance that initially got me interested in medicine in general. I recognized that when I was dancing, I really liked to understand what was happening with my body. And I, there's a fair amount of science that actually goes into dance when you think about it and to anything that really um, capitalizes on the capacity of the human body. And I always found that very exciting. Um, but when I left dance to go to university, um, I think... There was a part of me that always wanted to return to it more fully. Um, I kept dancing in my undergrad as a hobby, but it wasn't particularly integrated into my work as an academic. And so eventually I actually read the biography of, or the autobiography of Misty Copeland, who's a, a dancer with American Ballet Theatre. And she's also the sponsor, uh, or a sponsor for Mind Leaps, which is an international development organization that uses dance to, and a really robust dance-based curriculum to help out-of-school youth in post-conflict settings um, and other um, challenging life circumstances get back into formal education uh, through experiences with dance that nurture neurocognitive and social emotional skills. Um, and I just read about it in like a little blurb in her book and it kind of, that was one of the first places where I'd really seen um, an emphasis on childhood health but also dance and creativity come together in a way that kind of really vibrated with um, things that I love or resonated with things that I love to do um, and so I contacted the CEO of the organization and that's how I eventually ended up going to Guinea as a volunteer there and um, that first summer I did a research project a, a qualitative research project looking at um, factors that influence childhood vulnerability in uh, West Africa and in Guinea in particular after the Ebola epidemic so now that I'm in medical school, um, 
infectious diseases has become a really key area of passion for me in terms of the health side of things. And then looking at how a, a huge infectious outbreak totally disrupts a country and for children in school who are then taken out of school, what it does to their ability to develop and to be healthy and well and engaged and learning and feeling connected, all those things that are so crucial for child's health, I kind of saw, yeah, what what role dance can play in combating that disruption and that diversity. Um, and it has very measurable health impacts. So we can see from the side of physical activity how dance benefits children, but we can also see um, that they develop skills like memorization and creativity, teamwork, perseverance, and all those skills come together that allow them to succeed in school and also to pursue healthy lifestyles and healthy behaviors. So I saw all those things coming together there and was really inspired and super grateful to be part of the work and it really stuck with me so that's what I was doing again in Rwanda this summer but looking a bit more specifically about uh, or at adolescent girls and um, how developing confidence and other skills through creativity and through dance allows them to engage with healthy sexual behaviors and to understand their role in um, protecting and promoting their own health. Okay, could you give a, like a specific example of how dance can play into that kind of early education and health? For sure. So I think um, one of the key things that I was looking at, both in Guinea and Rwanda, is the idea of self-efficacy. And um, so as kind of a social-emotional skill, self-efficacy is understanding the role that you play in your own life and the decisions that you make. And in early childhood... Um, and when you've had a lot of experiences with adversity and feelings that you've lost control, so you've been taken out of school due to poverty or you, you're, you've lost a parent or something that has happened that's really outside of your control, it can be difficult then to approach your health with um, feelings of control, like it's something that you have power over and confidence to pursue and achieve, um, and very similar to success, success in school. Um, so I think then when it comes to your health and when it comes to school, it's that self-efficacy that you develop through dance when you learn that if you put your mind to um, learning how to do a pirouette and you can accomplish that, that that could apply to other areas of your life as well. So do you plan to continue that kind of research with dance um, at Oxford and beyond? Yeah, I hope cool. to. Um, some of the programs uh, that I was talking about earlier, like looking at social intervention, um, and so social intervention would include things that are more educational or things like that for childhood health. Um, I think there's a role that dance could play there, and I would love to. I, when I think about what I'd like to do for a master's thesis at Oxford, I definitely think I'd like that to come into it for sure. As for you yourself, are you still dancing? You're still tapping your feet <laughs> and so on? Yeah, cool. yeah. So I dance with um, Mod Contemporary Dance yeah. Movement here at the U of A, um, which has been really, really fun. Fantastic. Good to get back to it. Cool, cool. And you'll we'll, we'll keep doing that at Oxford, too? Yeah, so I hope so. Yeah. Okay, yeah. right on. Um, I didn't dance here in my first year of med, but then I started again this year, my second year. And um, it's been really cool because it has taught me and reminded me that um, the medical school here is a great sense of community. And it's very tight-knit, but... I didn't realize how much was going on at the university and how how much else I could get involved in until I started dancing. So I think it'd be cool at Oxford to use dance in a similar way to develop a broader sense of community and get to know the university. 
So once you're out of Oxford and then, you know, back at the U of A and then out of the U of A, what do you have in mind for your future vocational aspirations with all this work that you're doing? So I see it having kind of a few steps. So once I'm done medical school, I'd like to do residency. And um, at the moment, I'm thinking about family medicine or pediatrics or preventative health and uh, or preventative medicine and public health as specialties. Um, but I realize that's a ways away now, so that might change. But I'm hoping that, very similar to how kind of my journey has unfolded so far, that it'll be those experiences in clinical practice that will help to inform the type of research that I'd like to do. Um, I really enjoy research and I like the role that it plays in changing healthcare. So I'd like to continue to ask and answer research questions kind of as I go and build a research practice from that. Um, and then my ultimate goal is that by doing research and really engaging with the populations that I'm working with, um, move into some sort of advocacy or leadership role. Uh, like I'd love to work with Health Canada one day or Alberta Health Services, the World Health Organization, and kind of get involved in that bigger conversation about how we how we look at health in population and society. The Rhodes Scholarship has a somewhat fraught history, to say the least, since Cecil Rhodes um, largely made his fortune off of British colonialism and originally the scholarship was not available to non-white people and it wasn't available to women. So I'm wondering how, as a recipient and beneficiary of the scholarship, you think through that kind of issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a, a good question and a very important question um, and one that I've thought about a lot through the application process and even before I applied. Um, and you're absolutely right that the scholarship um, and Cecil Rhodes' um, the values that he brought to his work into the scholarship, there was white supremacy and colonialism and um, a lot of values that I don't feel align with my goals and um, who I aspire to be and what I aspire to use the scholarship for, um, which is a difficult position to be in and a difficult thing to grapple with. But I think what gives me hope is looking at a lot of um, previous scholarship recipients and the work that they've done with the scholarship and to remember that they, and in the future, perhaps me as well, we become part of the legacy when you take on the scholarship and you allow um, for that legacy and that um, message to to change and evolve and to make the Rhodes Scholarships and your own work stand for something different. Um, and one of the things that kind of really drove home for me that this was possible, that change um, within the structure of the Rhodes Scholarships and what they mean was really possible was a quote from Nelson Mandela um, with specific reference to the Rhodes Scholarships for Africa as it being an opportunity for history to come full circle. So for those wrongs through the right or the, um, the ambition of the scholars and the people who the work that they do to come full circle and to make change where wrong was done. So, and I mean, yeah, I don't know. I still, I still grapple with what exactly I'm going to do to have an impact on that legacy. Um, and even the field of global health and the idea of going to Oxford to study health in Africa and the kind of colonial ideas that still linger in global health. Um, keep me up at night a little bit, but I think being aware of them and being able to talk about them and people like you asking me about them, keeping that conversation open is how um, I'll kind of try and navigate them going forward. <laughs>
What advice would you give to students at the U of A who are interested in the Rhodes Scholarship, perhaps? What should they do? Yeah. Um, so first of all, they should apply. Um, if you think you can't or you shouldn't or you're unqualified, um, I thought that too. And, you know, it's easy to look at the bios of the people on the website and it's like a polished little 200-word bio and think, oh, I'm not like that. But the whole thing about the roads is that it's incredibly diverse and there's such a range of stories and experiences represented. So if you don't look exactly like the people already on the website or who've gone before, um, then they, they need you and you should go for it and you have something that's special and different. And um, I was really encouraged throughout the application process to stick to my story and um, really tell it like it is. And there were times when I thought that I should try and change what I was writing or what I was saying to conform to ideas that I had about what a Rhodes Scholar should be. Um, but in the end, um, with a lot of guidance and support, I realized that I could just tell my story and write my statement exactly how I wanted it to read um, and that that was actually enough um, and it, it's yeah I think maybe it's easier to say in retrospect because yeah at the time that I was applying I was so nervous and it felt so vulnerable but um, yeah just go for it be very honest about who you are and what you value what makes you passionate because when you get through to the interview stage they just want to know who you are and that you have um, commitment to your passions and that um, that you'll really dive into the scholarship with um, that passion behind you. And I mean, that was the advice that I got. And it wasn't until I really started following it, I think, that my application became something I was proud of and happy to submit. So, Well, Julia, thank you so much for joining us in the studio today. Thanks. Thank you for having me. And with that, that has been the arts and culture segment of The Gateway Presents. I'm Jonah Dunch. I've been your host today. We out. (laughs) Bye.